Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. Uh, today, uh, we are talking about uh, something we hinted at uh, last episode. Uh, we're talking about property developers, and especially the like the big mon- money laundering towers in New York City. <laughs> uh-huh. um, oh, but first, uh, we we have a PSA. Uh, well, more more of an ad, I guess. Mm. Um, so here goes on that. Attention, if you or a loved one has been diagnosed with acute asynphasis, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Asynphasis is a rare spinal condition linked to duprexant. Please don't wait. Call 1-800-IM-LAW-COP for a free legal consultation and financial information packet. Asynphasis patients call now. This announcement has been sponsored by the offices of Hell Dude and Hell Dude. Uh, anyway, so <clears throat> yeah, today we're talking about Property developers, we are only going to be scratching the surface of this topic. Uh, it's a huge topic, and like, uh, I didn't even think about this until like late into writing the notes. But we haven't even touched the ties to organized crime mm-hmm. uh, that these guys all have. Um, so that would be an interesting thing to talk about. So, I mean, the main thing that I want to talk about is these really insanely tall, skinny buildings in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, that they exist for a few reasons. Uh, let's well first. Do we? I guess we should intro it since we did take sure, yeah. the time to. What write are we it. talking about today? <laughs> uh, so property developers, uh, aka corporate landlords, are the one of the main centers of power in the capitalist world, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean in the pre-capitalist world too, I guess. Uh, but they're like a special feature of capitalism as we know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like landlords were were a big thing Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the medieval era, but they weren't like, there wasn't as much focus on, uh, building a big profitable building, you know, to jack up the price of the land. And that's, that's more of a unique thing now. Right. There's a contrast Um, between like, uh, you know, the kind of the feudalist, uh, feudalistic kind of landlords where it was like, uh, you know, the manor system and, and everything like that, where people were like, Oh, like, well, you know, we need, uh, we need some means to um, sustain ourselves. And you're the one with the, you know, the, the swords and, and horses that dominate this local land. And so we'll work for you because, you know, you're a violent motherfucker, you know, we'll work for you and then um, give you part of what we make. And then you'll uh, allow us to stay here. And you'll also be obligated to protect us in order to protect yourself and your interests. And that's kind of like a very rudimentary kind of way to sum up feudalism. Whereas in capitalism, of course, um, they engaged in kind of uh, this kind of statecraft uh legalistic and kind of venture based um oh well if we go and find this other land that isn't being you know fenced off and uh sort of uh rationalized in a way um we can we can rationalize it and fence it off ourselves and make these you know these enclosures which is again a famous part of the kind of the foundations of capitalism and then use that to extract like monetary value through kind of a sublimated force, you know, legalism, et cetera. Um, you know, a few degrees removed from feudalism as, as it had developed. So it's a kind of a, you know, it's, it's got its roots partly maybe in like feudalistic thinking, but it's not itself uh, feudalism per se, just as a way of kind of contrasting those two things, you know, and there's plenty to say about each, but that's my 
that's how I think about it. Yeah, I mean, did you hear my whole spiel about capitalism versus feudalism with regards to land? I think so. Think yeah. so? <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so, you know, basically, you know, feudalism, you know, swords and, 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 uh, you know, uh, Swords, shit, yeah, <laughs> and and capitalism goes. Oh wait, what if you know we can do that, but like remove all the you know all the upfront you know stabby stabby and replace it with like legalist uh, legalistic barriers and and protections for the uh, you know the the masters of the land, you know, etc. Um, and, and and you know assure an income so that we can deal more effectively with our peers and our, and our, you know, royalty, uh, who, who created this, uh, this money. Yeah. Capitalism is an old martial artist who knows it's better not to fight. Right. But then once you push him too far, like, like you can, you can mess with him, dude, but you, you mess with his friends. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and of course, um, anyway, you're under capitalism, there are no friends; there are only frenemies, right? <laughs> uh, so, did we get to the Investopedia part? <laughs> no, we did not. Okay, do you want to read we, that? We, we... It's um, really good. I, it makes sense to me. Yeah, well, it makes sense in terms of explaining how, like, how capitalism sees its own kind of devices. I guess, right? Um, right. So like I, I looked it up on Investopedia because I was wondering about exactly what I said. Uh, you know how how do kind of the the defenders of capitalism or like the servants of capitalism see uh, uh, real estate development, property development, etc. And 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 I will also just say right off the bat, like ideas um, or so like terms like real estate, real estate development, property, property development. You know, as leftists, we know that these are all euphemisms for. Uh, you know, real material things going on and real processes. Landlording. Processes. Landlording. Exactly. <laughs> um, brutal restrictions <laughs> yeah. and so forth. Um, you know, development meaning just kind of um, doing shit or building shit. Uh, no, no actual, um, no actual requirement that any of it is useful or good or in anyone's interest. It just means you're, you're just, rolling in with a bulldozer and a tank of cement or a bunch of fucking lumber you probably stole from the indigenous people of the Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. and putting up a fucking Chipotle, you know, even if nobody asked for a fucking Chipotle, you know, um, or, or in this case, a skinny skyscraper of some kind, because you figured out that there's ways to game the, uh, the regulatory system that made all this possible. So Investopedia is like, what are some challenges for real estate development? They've got this whole fucking article written by some bootlicker somewhere. Um, <laughs> and it starts off, or sorry, it's, um, this is actually, I think, the final paragraph that I accepted, but it's a good summary. In the most general sense, real estate development is simply the mixing of one's labor with the land. And that's where I want to stop first, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure how you mix labor with land, but okay, chief. Well, uh, first, first you boil the water. And then oh, okay. you put in the packet. Oh, you know what? I should have thought of that. It's just like ramen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you've got the like you have to like it's just like making mashed the, potatoes. Right. You take the land and you kind of break it up into like smaller chunks, and then the labor is like a sprinkling uh, on top to flavor it. Right. Okay. Okay. And, and, and capital is like on. is like garlic that you just uh, you mm. just put a little dash in there, and it you know right. it makes everything work. Right. Just really and without the garlic, it. you wouldn't have potatoes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense too as well. Also. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Labor and land, both substances. Uh-huh. Uh, that we just have in tins in the back pantry. Yeah, you put them in a big uh, cauldron, and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. Uh, and then a witch comes and puts uh, you know the, the tail of a newt in there, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. it, it turns into a building. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is actually one of my favorite parts about um, studying econ in grad school. You know, um, especially like the you know the form the more like liberal neoclassical kind of shit. Uh-huh. Was that they really? There were really economists, and probably still are, who try to come up with this kind of uh, weird syllogistic thinking about, like, you know, oh, you just mix two parts labor with five parts land, and you come up with, and you're like, no, shut the fuck up! Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is all made up. You're, you're you're treating things as other things that they simply are not, you know, and you and you're acting like they interact in a way that is not the case. You know? Hey, what is uh, what is syllogistic? Because I never. I never understood what what a syllogism was. So a syllogism is uh, a kind of a basic philosophical argument, um, which does it have to do uh, with jism? <laughs> it can, if you want. Uh, <laughs> that's up to you, my friend. Um, it applies deductive reasoning to uh, create a conclusion based on two or more propositions that are asserted or assumed to be true. So you basically say like. You know, given this and given this, then this, right? Right. Um, if this, this, and this, then this. Uh, and and there's more formal ways to define it, but basically, it's it's one of the most basic kinds of uh, deductive arguments. Okay. Um, you know, so it's it's. I think I think it started with like the Greek so, philosophers. So like, of- if soup is water with vegetables uh-huh. in it, then uh-huh. coffee is a soup. That kind of shit. Right. 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 Okay. Um. Right. Um, you know, if, if pizza contains vegetables, then pizza can be classified as a vegetable, right? Uh, that's kind of like a, a really fallacious syllogism that was, uh, embraced by the Obama administration, as many of us may remember. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, or another good one from, from the Obama administration was, you know, um, if, uh, uh, well, you could think of it as like, if, uh, we rec- if 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 the if the classification or qualification for employment changes, you know, and so many people are um, unemployed, then you know, then or like underemployed, right, part time employed, then uh, they're it's it's a it's again it's a very basic kind of proposition uh, or, or or argument that like oh then of course the category. Then they then they their category changes to become considered as employed, and therefore um, our administration, you know, has solved the uh, un- unemployment crisis. You know, right? Um, yeah. Again, really fundamental, rudimentary stuff, and I'm sure some of the more philosophically well-read in our audience. Um, just kidding, you're all idiots. Um, will will <laughs> will correct me on this uh, and and bring up a bunch of shit that I'm way too bored to think about. Um, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> You get the idea. So anyway, so all right. So 
So finishing their their statement here, because I had to stop to really uh, to shit all over their assumptions here. So they say, in the most general sense, real estate development is simply the mixing of one's labor with the land. And again, one, who the fuck is one? Is one me? It's not me. Um, anyway, and the final uh, part of the sentence. One, is, the guy who wrote One Punch Man. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's uh, one P man. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, like the guy's uh, name is like his pseudonym is is one O N E like all caps. Oh, uh, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking of One Punch Man as like his you know first, middle, and last, but um, <laughs> you know, Mister One P Man. Uh, okay, uh, so in order to achieve a predetermined end is how they end that sentence. So they do they you mix the labor with the land, which is already alchemy. Um, in order to pre- achieve a predetermined end. And I was like, oh, I wonder how these ends become predetermined. It's almost like Investopedia's sleep talking that capitalism is a scam. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a capitalist, you just fucking punch your card, you know, and you mix some labor with some land. You know, you get it nice and bloody and then out comes money. Uh- <laughs> the, the predetermined end that they're talking about is uh, class division. Much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and it's weird because like land, this is one of the weird things about the capitalist uh, sort of the social side of, of the capitalist system and how it sort of sustains itself is like creating enclosures with land and, and other spaces, just but basically land um, uh, is one of the ways that you enforce and reinforce and even kind of innovate class. Um, because obviously if you're enclosing things and restricting and, and shutting people out, then that in itself is essentially at the very least it, it enables class to form, you know, um, because something that somebody could have otherwise used is now off limits to them, or they have to sacrifice or surrender something to get there and use it. Uh, and, and that, uh, right. So every, you know, this is kind of how gentrification works, right? Like every time something, um, gets quote unquote cheaper in the market, you know, then they basically speculate on it and then they roll their bulldozers in and, you know, they mix their labor with their land, quote unquote. And, uh, and, uh, in order to do that, they have to kick out all the, all the people who are uh, incapable of, of effectively fighting back or who fight back, but who just don't win, you know, and, um, probably a few opportunists who don't really mind, you know, selling their, their bits and pieces off to, 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 to get some money back. But, um, but then once they do that, then they create more of these, you know, restrictive uh, 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 spaces, you know, these enclosures. Right. You know, and that's just, that's just kind of how it churns. Um, anyway, so then, so then they say, you know, they, they follow up with this, with this kind of just like, kind of like neoliberal namby-pamby shit. The, the kind of things that like you would expect out of like, um, like an Elizabeth Warren you know, like in complex modern society, capitalism, however, real estate development requires knowledge of financing, legal restraints, property taxes, business and market forecasting and project supervision, uh, which is all to say exploitative processes and all the bullshit jobs that were invented and continue to be invented to enable and conceal the character of those exploitative processes. Like literally all the things they just listed are are almost all of them are basically invented by and for capitalism just to fucking inflate the, uh, the apparent importance of the bourgeoisie, you know, and the, and the, their kind of lackeys. Uh, all of this is just, just made up management. Miss Warren, do you think that we should have real estate developers? Well, of course, 
Why? Why not? <laughs> you know, if if someone is uh, if someone knows uh, financing legal restraints and property taxes, then what? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, I I've determined I mean, that's how you do a Liz Warren impersonation. You just say, "Well, why not?" Yeah, and yeah. and then just defend capitalism. <laughs> Those yeah, are the two basic yeah. qualities. <laughs> <laughs> she learned that in Republican school. <laughs> Um, uh, so the, the first, uh, well, the main, the meat of the topic, I think is, uh, 432 Park Avenue, because this is kind of emblematic of a lot of the, uh, modern issues with, uh, real estate development. Uh, so, uh, for those who don't know, I'm going to pull up an image of it here on the screen. Uh, 432 Park Avenue is this big, obnoxious rectangle that just towers, over the skyline of New York City. Uh, uh, it's over twice as tall as any of the buildings next to it. Uh, it has no no style at all. It's literally uh, just like a rectangle. Uh, yeah. Like the closest thing you could say to it having style is they have open floors every 12 floors, which the reason they have that is apparently... Uh, to let wind go through the building because otherwise it could like push it over. Um, and so they have lights that turn on at night, uh, which they didn't even start doing until like uh, two years ago. <laughs> uh, so before that, it was just a, literally just a giant rectangle. Just a big old helicopter trap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, oh my God. it's got a grid with windows on it. And uh, yeah, it's like a, uh, basically empty because almost no one that lives in it uh actually or not lives in it almost no one that owns an apartment in there actually lives in it um Mm -hmm. which also means that uh most of the residents don't actually pay new york income tax (laughs) because they don't have (laughs) new york residency uh (laughs) which is very cool um that's incredible the one good thing about it (laughs) Yeah, it's also uh, currently, uh, possibly not for long, but currently it is the tallest residential building in the world. Um, It's also the tallest building in New York City. Uh, Supposedly, One World Trade Center is taller, uh, but uh, 432 Park Avenue has a taller roof height. And the only reason that One World Trade Center is taller is because it has like a... What are those antenna things on it? I don't. I don't oh, actually yeah. know what those are, but to me, that's like saying that you're taller than someone because you're wearing a top hat. It doesn't count <laughs> as being a taller building. If the roof right. ends lower than the other building, then it's not as tall. <laughs> that's like that's like evolutionary animal logic of like you know I, I just don't want to ever get in a fight with a guy with a top hat. Have you seen those guys? They're huge. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, someone someone's wearing one of those uh, the sumo suits for Halloween, right, and it's right, like, right. oh my right. god, have you seen that guy? He's fucking jacked. Yeah, he's jacked. <laughs> he's like three hundred pounds. You're like, no, he's not though. <laughs> well, but he looks three hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, ergo, yeah, right. Yeah. My pizza has vegetables in it, therefore, <laughs> it's a salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's on the site of what used to be the Drake Hotel. Uh, named after the famous Canadian rapper, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Built in 1926. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, renovated in the 80s and then uh, demolished 27 years later. Uh, coincidentally, the same year 
the same exact year that Hotline Bling came out. Does that make sense to anyone else? Seems too convenient. Yeah, I think so too. Almost like the hotel is the bling. <laughs> or the hotline. The hot oh Who my knows? god. This could be was, a vast cover up. It was a coded message about yeah. what's really going on. We have I, to we I think this is a bigger scandal than Iran Contra. Possibly. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Possibly definitely. Um so yeah, uh so who was it? Uh uh Harry Macklow acquired it in 2006 and mm. demol- he demolished it the next year um so that he could build this uh this huge monstrosity <laughs> um but around this time he was he also uh went bankrupt or he was he, he wasn't bankrupt he was broke which is not the same thing uh, oh, even yeah, though yeah. a lot of us well, use like it the same broke. way right and like it's it's always interesting when capitalists say they're broke because mm-hmm. It's often not anything close to what being broke is. Yeah, they're just he, like, "What do you oh, mean?" Was he's not a billionaire anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I don't have any money left. And then you like you see, and you're like, "Well, dude, like if you liquidated your assets, you know, over the next three months, you would get like fifty million dollars out of it." Oh well, yeah. I, I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know? And you're like, the <laughs> yeah. The only off. the only actual temporarily embarrassed billionaires in the United States are billionaires who say they're broke. Yeah, it's really um, embarrassing. As long as the other billionaires even care, you know, right. at their fucking cocktail parties or they're like, you know, you know, fucking Lolita Express fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, uh, let's. See. I heard you're less than a hundred billionaire today. Ha ha. You know, uh, don't <laughs> what a fucking don't loser. Right, God. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you even exploit? Jesus. <laughs> oh my God! You actually go to Equinox? Would you pour? <laughs> Um, so more about uh 432 park avenue uh one of the penthouse suites uh which is 8200 square feet six bedrooms seven bathrooms and it has a library uh was sold for 95 million dollars in 2013 which is uh before the building was even completed um the buyer was outed by the real deal which is a new york city uh real estate news publication as Fawaz al uh Saudi retail and real estate billionaire. Um, one fun fact about al Hokair is he was detained in a corruption crackdown in Saudi, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which means he must be really fucking corrupt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. So yeah, he uh, he bought he bought one of the penthouses. I think there's multiple uh, penthouses. I think it's the the top two floors, uh, but it might okay, be the, okay. the top three or four. I don't remember. Um, uh, let's see. There's also, let's see, in 2016, uh, number 35B was reported as being sold. Uh, this had s- some more details about it than like some of the other sales, but uh, it's a, mm-hmm. a 4,000 square foot apartment, so it's half of the floor, um, and it's it was sold for $18.1 million, which was actually... Almost four hundred thousand dollars over the asking price. A million, damn, suspicious. What? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like laundering for sure. I mean, that just sounds like they were doing each other some favors. <laughs> well, hey man, I gotta, I gotta hide this four hundred k. If that sounds like laundering to you, uh, as of yeah. twenty fifteen, nearly ninety percent of the apartments have been sold, and about half of them were owned by uh, foreign citizens. Mm. 
Interesting. Yeah. So like some kind of, uh, well, okay. Um, I mean, do we know who these people are at all? Fawaz uh, Al-Hukair. <laughs> just him. Um, just no, I, think the, I mean, I think the sales are private. So unless yeah. you get someone, you know, uh, leaking intel yeah. about who it actually is, I don't, I don't think uh-huh. we're allowed to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't actually know how they got that the stat about there being foreigners. Uh, I didn't bother to click through the citation, but um, but the total sellout of the building, which is like the the value of all of the uh, rooms, like all the saleable uh, right. apartments, is three point one billion dollars. So I have this chart here that shows it has a comparison of uh, all the different super wealthy luxury. Uh, places and uh, what their total sellout is. Uh, so, so that's basically like if you lined everything up in that building on a fucking receipt. Yeah, the total would be three point one billion, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, so there's one property that's anywhere close to it, which is two twenty Central Park South, which is three uh, billion total sellout. Uh-huh. Uh, everything else is two or under. Jesus Christ! So it's way way valuable. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, the height contributes a lot to the sale price. Um, I mean, I think I guess that's the main thing is the height, and uh, I mean, like uh, the the apartments are built with like uh, imported marble and you know Italian wood or whatever, like all that fancy rich <laughs> right. people shit that right, we right. love to hate. Right. Um, Things with fancy names and special origin stories and shit. Ultimately, it goes back to Empire somehow. Right. (laughs) But I mean, since since a lot of these apartments are are bought by, you know, Hmm. ultra rich people who own like eight eight properties or more, you know, just in terms of like their personal stuff. I mean, Uh, I I think it's pretty clear that they're using it to, uh, you know, put their money overseas, essentially. So... You know, if you're a foreign citizen yep, and you yep. buy property in the U.S., you don't have to exactly. pay taxes on it because you're not a New York City resident uh, here. You don't have to pay taxes here on it. And then you don't have to pay taxes on it uh, in your own country because it's a foreign asset or whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, so I mentioned earlier, but uh, the developer of 432 Park Avenue is Harry Macklow, uh, who is a so-called self-made billionaire. Hmm. Uh, but uh i mean first of all all that money himself (laughs) first of all uh let's take a quick peek at his early life to find out how self-made he is so the first line of his bio and on wikipedia is macklow was born to a jewish family the son of a garment executive from westchester (laughs) county new york oh okay (laughs) yeah classic classic rags part of the rags to riches story being the son of a (laughs) garment executive (laughs) just like a really normal dude (laughs) Oh my god. Um let's see. This is oh yeah, the Spiegel article. So uh yeah, they also have this part about the top floor being sold. Um and uh so they they talked about him being so-called broke and uh they uh, they said uh in 2009 the investment company CIM 
which uh, stands for Chimera Investment Corporation, which, like, to me, oh, why do you just call it Evil Bad Guy, Inc.? <laughs> it sounds so Gosh. fucking evil. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so they uh, they came to help him build this uh, this building after he had already raised the, uh, you know, Drake's Hotel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Their, their backer is Richard Ressler, uh, Wall Street banker. That's... Mm. God, I never said that out loud, and that's a really funny way to pronounce your last name, Wrestler. <laughs> He's uh, just, you know, Dick Wrestler. Is he a, he I wonder if he's a face or a heel. I, I think he's got to be a heel, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah as well as uh, Shaul, Shaul, Shaul Cuba, and Avi Shemesh, two uh-huh. elite, ex-elite soldiers from Israel. So they, they're still soldiers, but they uh, they used to be elite. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> getting too old for this shit. Um, exactly. So I looked up Richard Wrestler, and his money seems to have come from uh, the junk bond uh, uh, scheme run by Michael Milken uh, mm-hmm. that Grubstakers covered on their episode on Michael Milken. Uh, yep. So he worked at Drexel Burnham Lambert, uh, uh-huh. which was Michael Milken's investment bank. And, uh, you know, it it just goes to show, like, what the upper class is like, that this isn't something that I had to, like, go find. This is, like, part of his, like, resume. Like, part of his, like, if you go on the site, on the website for uh, CIM, and you look at the, like, uh, corporate governance or whatever, whatever section it is that has, like, the board members... It right, says right. right there, Richard Ressler, prior to CIM, uh, he worked at uh, uh, Drexel Burnham Lambert. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, oh, oh, that disgraced company that <laughs> went yeah. bankrupt <laughs> because it was involved in a huge illegal operation uh-huh. to defraud huge numbers of people. Cool. Uh-huh. I want to hire uh-huh. this guy. This is who I trust. Right. Um, <laughs> and he also worked for, fuck, what's it called? Um. Shit. The wait, what? It's a law firm. I can't find it. Um, but it, it's a law firm. It's like one of the world's most powerful law firms, and uh, they defended a lot of uh, companies uh, from any uh, lawsuits in the residential uh, residential mortgage backed securities uh, fraud. Uh-huh. Um. So, so uh, I, I'm looking yeah. at the bio now. Is it Cravat, Swin, and Moore? That's it. Is yep. that the one? Yeah. 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 Wow. So they have a lot of news stories on their site about like, uh, oh, uh-huh. uh, these these pathetic peasants tried to sue, you know, uh, Wamu or some other company for uh, residential uh, RMBS uh, something, and uh, we won. Hooray! We like they settled uh-huh. for only thirty two million dollars out of a claim of like you know, $2 billion or whatever. Um, so really great stuff there. Um, so yeah, so these guys, uh, came to the aid of Harry Macklow, uh, to get 432 Park Avenue built. Um, hmm. uh, so a little bit more on Harry Macklow. Uh, he's such a bastard that even, uh, Rudy Giuliani went off on him. 
So from this article on, I think it was New York Post, Mr. Giuliani accused Mr. Macklow of taking unfair advantage of a change in the state's new rent laws that allowed him to evict 13 rent-controlled tenants, including an 82-year-old blind man who said his removal would be the equivalent of a death sentence. If you can think of anyone with a bad history of abusing his position as a landlord and developer, it's Harry Macklow, Mr. Giuliani said last June. Um, And so uh, Harry Macklow's response to that was... uh, he said he was merely the windfall beneficiary of a change in the rent laws. He oh, will yeah, build around sure. the few tenants who remain, though he said he expects the tenants will shake us down for a considerable amount of money. Right. Oh, poor babies being shaken down by poor, the big bad poor tenants. Broke yeah. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, let's see. He also, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he got in trouble. Uh, because of this this incident in 1985, where he demolished a building uh, without turning uh, the gas or electricity off or obtaining any permits, um, wow. only days before a moratorium would have blocked it. Uh, so Macklow was not indicted in the incident, uh, but one of his executives pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges. Um, <laughs> He says, I've done everything right except the hotel, and even then I didn't do anything wrong. The people who were indicted and convicted were at fault. It happened on my watch, so I have to accept responsibility, but I personally was judged to have clean hands. Uh, And then like two sentences later in this article, it says, Mr. Macklow is intimately involved in every detail of his projects, from the choice of China (laughs) at the hotel to the art in the lobbies. So, yeah, he definitely was not involved in this. Right. You got to be right. fucking kidding me, man. <laughs> he, he, he decided everything, but he didn't push some button. You yeah. Know? Just just classic. He didn't fucking... personally pull the lever of the wrecking ball to demolish right. the building. Right. So then, therefore, right. he, it wasn't him. Right. Yeah. Just outsourcing <laughs> his, his, his crimes to contractors. Very cool. Right. His alibi is like that he was eating caviar at a fancy swanky party at the time it was being demolished. You know, he's like, I was nowhere near the, you know, <laughs> while it was going God. down in flames. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so I read another article on Macklow. Uh, so he. Uh, he was married to the same woman, uh, Linda Berg, for I think it was 50 years. Okay. And uh, around the time that he started working on 432 Park Avenue, uh, he uh, he got a divorce from Linda and uh-huh. married uh, another woman who who gives a shit what her name is. Um, They're all it, terrible. Yeah. Uh, a younger woman, uh, younger, hotter woman. Uh, so she's still right. 60, but, you know, still. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he also, yeah, he also sued his own son, <laughs> like his flesh and blood son, and also his son-in-law. Uh, I didn't see what he sued his son for, uh, but he sued his son-in-law for two, for a $200,000 loan, which, like, come on. That, that's not a lot for, for someone like him. <laughs> um. <laughs> And so in this article, right after saying all this shit, like, oh, yeah, he sued members of his family. And, uh, oh, and uh, he he put up a picture of himself and his new wife on, prominently on 432 Park Avenue, like on the outside of it, uh, uh, apparently to taunt his old wife, uh, wow, which is very, really good stuff. Um, but right after this, the article says, but if Mac Lowe's a devil, he's a colorful and often charming one. He donates lavishly to charities. He oh, races Jesus. yachts off the Italian coast. 
Okay, those two sentences together should give Shut anyone Shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Um, he's a wickedly funny storyteller. He delivers a lengthy side splitter on the old Jews telling jokes website. Oh, interesting. Hold on, I want to look okay. up this. Uh... I'm sure it's a not funny story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guaranteed old it's not Jews funny. Telling... What a What a <laughs> website name. Fuck. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> they have a whole new story. <laughs> oh my god. Let's let's see this. Oh well, page not found. Damn it. Oh, oh, interesting. Lengthy side splitter that is doesn't exist. So he he told a joke so funny that it uh drove the website off the internet. Huh? <laughs> side splitting. Um yeah. real side splitting. I'm laughing right now. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He's also an avid art collector. Oh, yeah. He and his estranged wife that's... own works, modern works valued at over $1 billion, including masterpieces by Gerhard Richter and Mark Rothko. I love, I just fucking love, like, the just, like, the brain worms that, that people have about rich people when it comes to this shit. They're like... Again, donates lavishly to charities. Okay, charities, again, We, I mean, as leftists, we fucking hate that shit. Uh, he races yachts off the Italian coast. That's just flaunting your fucking wealth. That is, like, the yeah. epitome of just being a Wow, that's shit. so charming to, to race yachts. Right. right. Oh, wow. What a, what a colorful person you are. Cool. And then, like, an avid art collector. Like, you, when you think about art collection by rich people, you're thinking about um, again, like business and speculation, you're not thinking about people who are, who are like good, interesting, like creative people. They just know how to figure out, or they pay someone probably to figure out, uh, what is this, you know, what, what should I buy now? That's going to sell high later. It's the same fucking shit as buying fucking financial instruments, but with like a, a picture on the front, you know, and it's disgusting. And I think uh, we've because, mentioned on this show before, it's heavily used for money laundering because they don't have to exactly. disclose anything about money the, the buyers. Yep. Yep. And it's also, it's disgusting to me how like people are like, oh, they're an art collector. This makes them interesting. You're like, no, it doesn't. Like, yeah. it's literally just speculation and money laundering. It doesn't make them a, a, an interesting person or a good person. You know, uh, it's just, it's just like, it's an it's literally just having money work. Exactly. Exactly. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, and an and being an art collector yeah. means you are taking art that could be in a museum that everyone yep. can enjoy and, and, and putting it yep. in your fucking penthouse in 432 park avenue exactly cool dude exactly. yep and because you're because you're uh making it your private property you know who knows you're you're gonna be that fucking that psychotic dipshit who like is like oh let's you know hey you know escort or girlfriend or partner or, or employee i'm gonna fuck you on the mona lisa you know and there goes the fucking mona lisa you know that kind of thing <laughs> like you see what i mean like this is the, the minds of rich people are, are as as trillbillies like to say deeply deeply diseased you yeah. know and the fact that they can own it privately you know something that was an actual cultural output uh uh and a piece of our our material history and cultural memory is something they can now uh, not only exploit and use for financial gain, but also if they so choose, they can destroy it uh, in whatever way they see fit because they quote unquote own it. You know, I oh. was just thinking uh, there's going to be a billionaire one day that like 
buys the original cells from Dragon Ball Z or something. <laughs> right. Like that's going to exist. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I am yeah, willing well, that into existence now by I'm, I'm speaking it into existence rather. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hope that, uh, we, we fuck up the world enough, uh, before that happens that it becomes impossible, but sure. Yeah. You know, if things continue on the, on the track they're on, you know, maybe that will happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, what, why do these tall skinny buildings exist? Like, uh, how did we suddenly like, like to me, I, I, I'm, you know, a rube. I, I don't know shit about New York city really. Um, to me, you know, a New York city person is like, uh, you know, like a cool guy who knows everything about culture and all that shit. Uh, I'm, I'm not that. Uh, so I don't know anything about what's happening over there. So when I went like, uh, Diane and I went to New York city, uh, a couple of years ago, a year or two ago. I don't remember. Time is a flat circle or whatever. Um, right. uh, so there was this huge giant building that was like taller than every, anything in the city. And I was like, what the fuck is this thing? It just came <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> like I'd never uh-huh. heard of it before. Uh, so uh-huh. how, how did this come to be? Uh, I, I think Peter and I t- touched on it possibly, uh, but I'll just re-explain. Uh, so, uh, in New York City, there's this concept of air rights. So if you have a plot of land, there's a certain amount of building height that you're allotted on that land. Um, mm-hmm. So if, you're, if your neighbor has 100 feet of building height uh, and their building is only 80 feet tall, uh, they have an extra 20 feet of air rights, and they're allowed to sell them to you. Um, as long as, they're, as, long as like, the plots are contiguous, so like, uh, if it's your, your immediate neighbor... And like their immediate neighbor and their immediate neighbor, you can draw like, you know, this connected uh, part, like uh, connect all these plots together and get the air rights from all of them and use it to build a taller tower on your uh, plot of land. Um, Basically, um, gerrymandering for gentrification. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and this is what people mean when they say like someone owns all the air in New York City or whatever it means they have the rights to. Uh, building uh, building height uh, for like plots of land. Um, so really tall buildings like 432 Park Avenue are able to exist because property developers find these contiguous plots of land um, and and buy up all the air rights. So like a lot of these buildings have been in the works for you know like 10, 20 years uh, just because the builders are working on getting all of the air rights put together. Um, mm-hmm. So that they can build it tall enough, um, and so like sometimes the air rights will sell for as much or more than the land below it. Um, and I I read one case which I wasn't able to find again, but uh, there was a co-op, and they actually wanted to use their air rights for themselves, uh, but mm-hmm. for either because of regulation, I, I think it was because of regulation, but it might have been because of money constraints. Um, no. It ended up being impossible for them, so they ended up just selling them anyway. Uh, but like a lot of people, they have like historic buildings that aren't going away, and they have all this uh, air above it that they could sell. Uh, um, uh-huh. So of course they're they're going to sell it. Right. Um, so that's part of it. And then another uh, trick that the developers use is uh, they just have like these big empty spaces in the buildings. So uh, in New York City. Floors that are used for 
structural and mechanical equipment uh, don't count toward the maximum size of the building. So by putting a bunch uh, of mechanical space, quote unquote, at the yeah. at the bottom of the building, uh, they can put the residential space higher into the sky, which increases the price of the apartments that they sell. Uh huh. It's fucking uh, just this fucking game playing shit. Yeah. It's just so like I mean that's just capitalism in a nutshell. You know, it's just like well the you know in order to get the state to allow us to squeeze out more money, we're going to do this dumb, useless, pointless, possibly dangerous shit. Uh, and then we'll use that money to do even more dumb, dangerous shit, you know, or useless, wasteful shit. Um, and then we'll further entrench ourselves if possible into, you know, the, the, the statecraft, you know, right. et cetera. <clears throat> and it's, and it's just this, like, it's so weird because it's like, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it is pathological, you know, like watching these, these people kind of, you know, meander blindly um, or, or even, you know, less blindly through like these, all these fucking weird routes to power, um, you know, that like they could just stop, they could just give up, but they don't give a shit, you know, like yeah, they, all they want is to play the fucking game and and feel like they're winning and feel like they're somehow superior and and then like you know rub it in everybody's faces you know like this hairy you know Maclo motherfucker you know, with yeah. his petty portrait shit like that guy should just fucking I want him to fall down a fucking manhole you know <laughs> like I, I want, want him, him to fall just, like, from the penthouse of four thirty two yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's all a joke um, uh, yep <laughs> parody etc uh, yep. I just have a particular. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all delivery. I have on 432. Um, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of these buildings. I think there's already one under construction that's going to be taller than 432 Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so I have a couple other uh, things. World One uh, mm-hmm. is a building that is going to be going up in. I'm pretty sure it's going to be going up in India. Um, mm. And it's being developed by Lodha Property Developers, which is which is an Indian uh, firm. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be the next world's tallest residential building, uh, mm. which uh, it is big and stupid, but it's at least slightly more interesting than a giant rectangle. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's got some design to it, at least. You know, it's got like a mm. rounded design. Uh, but... Honestly, I think most like really tall buildings just look like shit. I don't know about mm. you. Yeah, I mean, there's, I've I've, I've read about and spoken a bit to um, like architects and people who are sort of architecture adjacent, um, like structural engineers and stuff, who uh, really hate, really hate a lot of this. Uh, just what's happening in like neoliberal development projects with like, you know, like, like we were talking about the kind of like um, poorly designed box, you know, that mm-hmm. 432 park is. And like this, like world one shit is again. And you see this constantly also in like the kind of um, gentrifying condos where they're just these weird looking box frame. Yeah. They all look exactly the same. Things. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're like really ugly. Um, like they're designed ugly, they're flimsy, they're they're sort of shitty uh, 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 structures, you know. And it, this is what happens when 
capitalists design things, right? This is what happens when capitalists pay for things to be built um, and sold is that they don't give a fuck about the, the, the aesthetic so much, you know, they, they, every now and then they might splurge on something that's kind of like cool and they just let the architect or the artist run with it. And then something beautiful comes out because there's capital to fund it. But usually, especially nowadays with, with these kind of like simply purely commercial efforts, you know, they just make just ugly fucking shit and they just overvalue it because it's only about the financial gain and the laundering and um, grabbing up and land. Being and able to look shit. down on the world. Just be, yep, that that yep. was one of the things that I saw that was like really disgusting. Was um, they have uh, for 432 Park Avenue? They have a showroom across the street uh, for sales, ah. and mm-hmm. they have like a simulated view um, mm-hmm. out of the top. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Park Avenue, I think view will get you the result. Yeah, if you if you search four thirty two Park Avenue view, uh, the third image is is what I uh, am talking about. Um, oh, there's one in related for that that uh, shows it, it's like bigger. But uh, yeah, I saw this captioned with like, uh, like it, it was basically saying like, oh yeah, you can look down on the world that right. you like look that you dominate. Uh, like, basically the world is yours or whatever like just mm-hmm. reinforcing the idea that they own us yeah. you know yeah yeah exactly exactly and at the very least uh and this is to me this is kind of the part of the, like the funny like kind of it makes me sick but it's kind of funny about like uh this capitalist is funny yeah it's 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 it really is clout shit like but also it's fantasy um it's like capitalists who are not really necessarily like they're not the big, the really like the top 400, you know, or, or whatever they're, but they're like, they want to believe that they are, they try to be, they, they, they think that they're super fucking cool and shrewd and all this. And so for them, when they build shit like they're that, they're charming because they race yachts, <laughs> right? They're charming because they race yachts and they collect art, you know, <laughs> uh, but they build this shit because, <clears throat> because they, they love the petty tyrant shit and they are aspiring to be like, you know, the pyramid builders basically of today. And they believe that shit about themselves probably. Yeah. And they want to, and they, and they, they want that, like uh, that sort of fantasy of like, I'm, I'm as big as Jeff Bezos, even though secretly they're like nursing the grudge that they're not, you know? So yeah. like, I'm going to look out on the city cause I'm a big fucking shot. I'm a, I'm a motherfucking big wig. And they're like, uh, you're just, just, you're just an asshole who like got lucky existentially and decided I'm basically to basically common if you think about right, it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and they're like, ha ha. They like literally like just the weird, the weird simplicity, like the kind of the childishness of like, I have a good view. Therefore I'm important, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, fuck you. <laughs> it's so stupid, you know? Yeah. And like, and like uh, I mean, a lot of it's so hard to exploit people to get that feeling yeah you know? <laughs> there's been a lot of bill gates discourse lately too and yeah, you know there's yeah, the whole yeah. thing of like uh oh if we didn't have billionaires then we wouldn't have like the things that they funded because of course <laughs> the way things get made is by you know uh someone in the upper class like giving you right. one like their rations or their control over workers and letting you right. do stuff right. with it which means that they built it with their own hands 
Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the fucked up thing, right? Is that like, you know, if you think about the idea of the vanguard and like uh, leftist political organizing, you know, um, in capitalism, they believe that the, the, the billionaires and shit are the, the, the vanguard of progress, right? Yeah. Like that's what they believe. And that's why like right libertarians are so insufferable because they, they most purely believe that. Well, that's not the only reason they're so insufferable. (laughs) Well, well, sure. They're also pedophiles, but like, you know, uh, (laughs) but like, yeah, they believe, they believe that, that, that every dollar is like a merit point basically, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and that like, oh, you know, the billionaires, you know, are, they must be trusted and believed in and, and worshiped essentially and obeyed, you know, because they're the vanguard of billionaires, believe billionaires. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's a fucking merit cult of sorts. You know, it's a, it's a boat. It's a like a billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, I, uh, I paid the wages of the, the farmers who, uh, grew the wheat and, uh, the, uh, the guys who milled it into flour and the, the bakers who made it into bread. Uh, therefore I made that sandwich that you're eating right now. Right. Right. That sandwich wouldn't exist without my capital. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, okay, okay, bro. Okay, hey, you want to <laughs> sit down and calm down and maybe have a glass of water? Like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, Lodha Property Developers. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but uh, whatever. Um, so it's owned by Mongol Lodha, who is also the president of the Mumbai unit of India's famous fascist party, the BJP, uh, oh, the party of Modi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in 2015, there was a corruption case brought against Loda. Uh, it used a holding company in Mauritius to charge rent and marketing mm-hmm. fees, uh, to the Indian company in order to avoid paying taxes in India. So they basically just like expatriated the money by, right. uh, paying for so-called rent and marketing fees to this other company. Mm. Fantastic. Um, yeah, they also had like uh, unaccounted uh, parking space expenditures and shit like that. So it was just like all this suspicious stuff that indicated they were laundering money uh, to other parts of the world so that they could avoid paying taxes on it. Um, in the same article, they note that uh, Lodha bought two buildings in central London for $645 million. So they are, they are a multinational uh, property developer. And yep. I, I think I think they're also the richest company in India. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, that that just really gets me that uh, the owner is the president of part of the BJP. Yep. That's yep. crazy. It's 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 very well. It's it's also just appropriate, right? Like that these big that these big corporate capitalists. You know, in this case, you know, he's literally like a, a party leader. Yeah. Um, fascist party leader. Uh, because that's kind of what fascism is about, right? Like right. the, it's kind of what we were saying about like the view from the skyscraper, like, you know, they want to believe they're big shots and all this shit. So they like, they basically like, you know, they, they wring the blood out of people to make, yeah. to give themselves a view, you know, like fascism is kind of that as yep. a, as a politic, right? They, they crush you so that they can enjoy a sort of morbid fantasy that is ultimately kind of childish and uh, doesn't have much of a game plan beyond just self-aggrandizement, you know, um, which is one reason. That's one of the good things that uh, about Attack on Titan. Have you watched much of that show? 
I've seen the first like one and a half, two seasons. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I don't want to finish it, but it's, yeah, it's very interesting because of, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely parts where they have the people from like the inner part of the walls mm-hmm. and yep. they, they very clearly like, they don't give a shit about anyone, you know, outside of their little section of town and they yep. just live absolutely in the lap of luxury, like not caring about anything that happens. Yeah. Uh, you yep. know, as long as, as long as the, uh, death and suffering outside doesn't affect them, then uh, they're just going to, you know, uh, do drugs and horrors all the time or whatever they do. That's right, right. Yeah. The, the kind of, um, you know, uh, f- uh, fully automated luxury uh, gay space capitalism, or in this case, like <laughs> sort of feudalism, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's ultimately, I mean, I would say one of the most significant differences between um, say fascism and like, say, you know, uh, capitalism in a kind of a general way, I guess is, uh, between that and like, um, socialist, uh, ways, um, and, and projects is literally just that, um, socialism is, uh, sort of a kind of a universalist pro-life movement, you know, uh, and pro-life in the proper sense of, of, Right. Pro, they don't they don't right. want abortion uh, because <laughs> you're murdering babies. Right, right, right. But um but like, you know, they they are um you know, it's like fecundity and all this shit, right? Um mm-hmm. and then fascism and capitalism and like say feudalism in many forms anyway. Um and uh and and uh, all these other kinds of of unjustified hierarchies are, you know, hostile to life and they they want the same fucking benefits as say socialism offers but only for their special little club you know right. uh, as we like to say your little know, clan if you will <laughs> exactly right and and they externalize all the costs onto the rest of the people they're able to control and exploit you know and that's basically the that's the signature difference you know yeah um so yeah so that's 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 it really um so fuck loadout too. Uh, you know? So since I mentioned London, uh, let's let's take a little flight over to the UK um, and look at look at property development there. Uh, so uh, I have one article from FT uh, where they talk about uh, British politicians giving sweet little kisses to property developers. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, from the article, UK officials turned up in force at the property industry's annual jamboree in the south of France this year as the government looked to entice developers into building more homes. Mm. Um, because governments voluntarily won't just allocate spending to build housing, they instead suck up to property developers and give them increasing leeway to build like unsafe, cramped housing for workers and like opulent luxury palaces for the 0.1%. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of content to that article. It was just like, yeah, look at yeah. <laughs> UK yeah. government officials going to this like property developer conference thing or whatever. Right. Crazy to me. Yeah. Well, it was, one thing that's interesting too is that like um, speaking of like unsafe and cramped housing for workers versus opulent luxury palaces for the 0.1%, right? You think about like the a lot of the logic of like landlordism and, and everything related to it, you know, quote unquote development and all this bullshit property uh you know, enclosures and stuff is that they're trying to the whole project, right? The whole, the whole way of life is to extract based on, you know, land with some attention paid to this notion 
of value, but mostly they're extracting value from land. And the way they do that, of course, is they take rent from, you know, um, fees from the people who inhabit and use that space. Um, and so uh, to them, largely, uh, what they what they are concerned with when it comes to extraction seems to be matters of proportion, which is why, oh, well, if this is a, a development, quote unquote, of a structure where we house um, or employ, you know, poor workers, well, we want to get as many of them in there as possible because they don't get very much, right? They don't have very much. So we want, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to make my $1 billion a year off of this, off of this building, you know, well, I'm only going to get, say, Five hundred or a thousand dollars per head um, out of this building, and so I need you know a thousand fucking people or two thousand people in this building uh, paying rent, right? So then they're like, well, how you know? I then I need a thousand units, you know, and and it's going to be unsafe and cramped, you know, and shitty. And then oh, but it, but it, oh, this is a building for you know, billionaires and they're happy to pay $350,000 a year to stay in this place because, you know, the, the manipulations of social currency or and, just buy and, it, you know, or just buy it. Right. So then you're like, Oh, I'm sitting pretty having like literally three fucking millionaires or billionaires in one building, you know, paying me that much per, per year and, and so forth, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so for them, it's just a matter of proportion. How much can I extract from how many people? That's going to make me decide what I'm going to do with this building. Um, you know, and then, of course, the, the, the bit of gambling and laundering that goes on on the side because of the financial aspects of it uh, and of the sort of finance markets. But, you know, it, it's, it's disgusting how kind of arithmetically they think about human beings. Uh, yeah. And then you, you combine that with, you know, the whole idea of like differential accumulation and you have like a recipe for like truly like horrific, <laughs> horrific yeah, behavior, keep, you know? <laughs> yeah, they have to keep scaling it up. Yeah. Yep. To get ahead of each other because that's all they care about, you know, so that they can have that view and they can be that fascist leader, you know? Yep. 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 Uh, so I have another article about the UK from The Guardian uh, called The Truth About Property Developers. Uh, which is by Stefan Molyneux. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the truth about property developers. Our sweet um, blonde landers. <laughs> as it turns out, property developers are the heroes of the world. <laughs> I don't really have a good Molyneux impersonation. I can't fucking listen to that guy long enough to develop an impersonation oh, of him. I what a fucking psycho. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... In the UK, local officials actually have a very compelling reason to side with property developers. Uh, they, like under Section 106, uh, they get to appropriate some of the profits from these high return real estate development projects. Um, so I'll just quote from the article here. Introduced as a negotiable levy on new development, Section 106 agreements entail a financial contribution to the local authority intended to be spent on offsetting the effects of the scheme on the local area. So, like, what supposedly the intention was for this is uh, if someone develops a new building, then there's going to have to be new other stuff around there, like schools and shit like that. Um, But, you know, in practice, that doesn't happen. So, uh, the impact of 100 new homes might be mitigated by money for extra school places or traffic calming measures. In practice... 
Since council budgets have been so viciously slashed, Section 106 has become a primary means for funding essential public services, from social housing to public parks, health centers to highways, and schools to play areas. The bigger the scheme, the fatter the bounty, leading to a situation not far from legalized bribery or extortion, depending on what side of the bargain you're on. Vastly inflated... Oh, that that sucks. That last line there. (laughs) Extortion? So they're saying that the public officials are extorting the property developers? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Vastly inflated density and a few extra stories on a tower can be politically justified as being in the public interest if it means a handful of trees will be planted on the street. So... Oh. Really um, perverse incentive there. Not very good to <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, this is like these these horrible kind of like there's no good guys problems. You know, it's 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 so much because like the system presumes and then and simultaneously presumes and requires um, c- competition between interests Um as well as you know, presuming and requiring things like enclosures and uh, and profitability, right? It's, it's the whole the whole thing is such a racket that you have to become a racketeer of some kind to get uh, anything out of it um, beyond just a wage, you know, or or even then, right. yeah, yeah. So then, and then of course, you know, just all the fucking propaganda and shit about like, uh, I just, I just. Oh man, it's so poisonous. It's all so fucking poisonous. Like all the social housing, public parts, health centers, highways. Well, maybe not so much highways, but like schools, play areas. Yes, good, good, good. All these public services. These are all things that need to just happen regardless, and yet they're tied to things like development because because apparently you know there's just not enough uh, money going to them in the first place, and you know in a in a money controlled economy like yeah you you end up being shackled to the people who generate and manipulate capital it's very very yeah uh, it's like you have to fucking twist their arms you know because those people again like i said like they're gonna build or or buy a building based on what they think they can extract from it you know and Mm -hmm. and their entire mentality is extraction and and speculation and manipulation and so it's like well if that's what you have to work with these fucking psychos running around then you're gonna have to kind of you're gonna have to fuck with them back you know and and then they and then they fucking you know and then they get and then they get like they do lawsuits or they get some fucking rag to to like um slander your your fucking social program or your or your chosen politician or whatever the fuck it is and of course have you killed (laughs) Or just have you killed, yeah, or have like a, a person, like a like an activist you're acquainted with, fucking killed, you know, um, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, intimidation, you, whatever. Right. Oh, yeah, I was shit. listening to uh, True Anon, and they were talking about um, what's this fuck, Kevin Spacey, and mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently one of the people that brought up the lawsuit against him uh, for you know uh, sex crimes or whatever. Uh, one of them, there was, there was a couple, one of them, uh, ended up dead, if I remember right. And another one dropped the lawsuit and is now living in Serbia. Wow. Holy shit. (laughs) Fucking nuts. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. 
Oh my god. Uh so I I don't have anything else. I actually thought this was gonna go on a little bit longer than it did, but it's all right. I mean, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon and uh you know, nobody really cares about our ideas anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um uh, I feel like uh we went through we went through plenty of, of thoughts on this one. I think it's it's a good it's a good succinct episode. You know, we yeah. covered plenty of ground within this. And of course we can't really touch on the mafia uh with the notes we have, like or the organized crime, I should say, you know, slight technical difference there. But um Yeah, I don't even yeah. think I really got too deep into the 432 Park Avenue stuff. I think there is still more that we could read into. Um, I mean, I think we should like, uh, we should come back to this topic and look at some other stuff in it. Um, the mafia stuff would be, would be interesting because there's also, uh, load hub property developers also, uh, had ties to organized crime in India. Mm. Um, so it's, it seems like a really, really common thing for, uh, the mafia or whatever the local organized crime racket is called, uh, to be connected to property developers somehow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised because, um, the fact that, so, you know, the organized crime tends to operate, uh, I'm not an expert or anything, but my basic awareness, my basic understanding that may or may not be slightly wrong, but organized crime has a tendency to operate sort of regionally, territorially, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, an easy way to kind of stake out actual, almost literal turf. Right. Um, and probably where that idiom came from, you know, is to get in with, uh, sort of, um, land, uh, land related or land bound enterprises. So of course, traditionally that would be any kind of like store or shop, although that might not be the case so much anymore as like kind of franchising and neoliberalism have kind of taken off, you know, and like gig economy stuff, but you know, you still have real estate and you still have things like, of course, the classic waste management where it's like mm-hmm. connected to the municipal services. Yeah. Um, so like specific areas and territories, construction, you know, yeah. construction distribution yeah. networks and stuff, you know, that's the Import, sort of shit export crime. <laughs> get exactly. And I'm not going to say any particular thing. Um, I'll let people fill in the blanks, but like if organized crime can do it, you know, uh, then, then there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to say there about the potentials for dual dual power projects. Um, yeah, so, yeah. The only thing we need is, uh, sadly, capital. <laughs> uh, and and you know, I think that I think that uh, again, I can't really get into my ideas on this without just bleeping the whole thing. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's capital, and then there's um, you know, what is capital based on? Um, and how does organized crime get off the ground itself? You know, maybe mm-hmm. sometimes you have capital, maybe sometimes you have um, other ways to build. Maybe sometimes a shipment of something goes missing. <laughs> goes missing. You know, maybe sometimes uh, Sean Hannity or somebody goes missing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of their precious files on their computer that they wouldn't want anyone yeah. to see uh, yeah. just happens to end up somewhere. Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm just, you know, I'm just sketching out like it's just like a like a scenario. It's like I'm telling a story. Right? Yeah. Like just yeah. Another thing I was thinking about, I was I was at the bank yesterday, um, trying to close an account, which I failed to do, and uh, 
should have done today, but I was working on the notes for this instead. Um, like, uh, anarchists used to rob banks like all the time around the turn yep. of the century. And yep. uh, the only way to really do that now would be to be a hacker. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the something that you definitely way, should not do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say the, the primitive way that more people can do is probably like, um, is um, exploit uh, things like uh, cheap credit if they have access to it, uh, things like that. And, you know, and just like organize around, um, you know, basically being able to take, because, you know, so much of the, so much of the neoliberal economy is based on like debt and obligations and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, well, if you can get, if you can, if you can get some like cheap credit or like cheap loans or even just like expensive ones that you just like literally just plan on bouncing on, you know? Um, and then the, and then the more advanced stuff is like, if you can hack or if you can even literally like become a mole in like some kind of company and get your hands on some, you know, some, uh, logins. Yeah. Uh, in a more social engineering kind of way, right? So start a bunch of banks with under $72 million in capital or whatever. Yeah. So you can just exactly. create money out of thin air. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, if you can, if you can be one of those people, like, you know, follow the kind of the Joe low model and, um, create like, uh, some kind of like what holding company or shell company that is like one letter difference from like a major, like Saudi Arabian investor or something, you know? <laughs> and so you're just like, yeah, I'm so-and-so. And they're like, Oh, this is a big shot. And then you just like scam the fuck out of everyone you meet, you know? Um, yeah. And then use that social engineering to create capital almost out of thin air. Yeah. You know, if they can do it, uh, we can or, do it. Or the most legit thing would be to uh, create some company uh, mm-hmm. that is contracted by the government for a large program like the green new deal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you can, if you can launder money using real estate, you know, and, and overpricing things and all this kind of stuff, like if that's what capitalists are already doing, you know, if you, if mm-hmm. you just, 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 just try it, try your hand at it. See if it, uh, see if it holds, see if it carries. Mm. I don't know. All right. I think that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you enjoyed this, check out our other episodes at neighborsciencepodcast.com. I have uh, collections up there. And so if you're looking for specific topics like political economy or anime, uh, I have episodes tagged with that. And you can go to the collections page and find all the episodes tagged with that thing. Or you can just look on the side and click the tag. Uh, but the collections thing is a little easier to navigate. Um, our Twitter is at NeighborsciPod. Uh, we have a Teespring store. I still had to put up the I like I started putting the Open Borders Communism design up there, but then the the designer like locked up and I couldn't finish it. Um, I looked into. I really wanted to make a zip up hoodie, uh, with the Open Borders Communism design, but they're so expensive. It's like thirty five dollars a hoodie. And uh, the yeah. place uh, Teespring does not let you do zip up hoodies. They only let, they only do pullover ones. And the yeah. the site I was looking at for um, zip up hoodies, it's a minimum uh, lot size of twelve, which ah. means it's like five hundred bucks to get yeah. them printed. So um, yeah. maybe yeah. maybe I could set up pre orders for that if people are actually interested. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It might might just not happen. But uh, I'll definitely make it as a T-shirt, and uh, I'll post a link to that because um, mm-hmm. I, I got a test print done. It looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. 
So this will be available hopefully by the time this is out. Um, I think that's all we need to plug. Yeah, I think so. I don't have anything else. Cool. Thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.